0: Good morning. morning. Fantastic to be with you guys. A couple introductions, my wife Beth and two of my sons, Liam and Eli, are here with me this morning. And uh, we've got one other son, uh, Noah, who's um, in living in Bloomington Normal, just graduated from uh, high school and is planning on going to Heartland, and so he's not with us this morning, but three boys. Uh, We planted Karis Community Church in Bloomington Normal in 2007, and uh, we spent 11 years at Normal West High School, and then we purchased a building in 2017, renovated it, moved in in 2018, and now I'm I'm looking to move back into a school in uh, Metamora, so we're talking we're talking to the schools in Metamora. So here we go again, but uh, I'll tell you I'll tell you more a little bit more about our story uh, within within the the context of this sermon. But um, Eric, Pastor Eric, um, well first of all I also want to mention this, guys. Uh, Redeemer is a is one of the churches that has generously partnered with us as we uh, as we're planting Partridge Point, Point. and so it's uh, it's an honor to, to get to be here with you all and to just testify the difference that you guys are making not only in Monunk but also uh, just in in Metamora and and, um, and in other other small central Illinois towns that need need the gospel and need um, Gospel-centered, mission-oriented churches like Redeemer, and so I want—I want to say thank you not only for the honor of being here this morning, but in partnering with us as we plant Partridge Point. Uh, Pastor Eric read uh, just the first two verses of Luke 10. I'm going to pick it up in Luke in, in Luke chapter 10, verse two, and I'm going to read all the way through 20, and I'll read kind of fast uh, because <clears throat> it's a long—it's a long section but I'll try to do it with inflection and and drama and make it interesting here. Um, Verse 2, And Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Don't go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God is, has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they don't receive, you go into the streets and say, "Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you it'll be more bearable on the day of Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes." But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought low to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. So our text in Luke 10 addresses a question that many of us wrestle with, whether or not we're Christians or not. And this is the question. It's whether or not our lives can really make a difference in the world. What difference can we really make? We see people in our lives hurting. We see people struggling. We see confusion and conflict. We see people lost and vulnerable. And we wonder, is there anything that little old me can do to make a difference in the world? Or is it just so hopeless that I should just resign myself to focusing on me and and, and myself and my family? It's easy to believe that the problems in this world are so big that people's struggles are so much and there's just nothing I can do about it. There's no difference that your life can make. It's just too big. Well, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus gives us a vision for the kind of difference our lives can make. See, what looks hopeless to us looks like a harvest field to Jesus. As Christians, we don't believe the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We don't believe that. That's part of our doctrine. That's part of our, what we believe, that the world isn't going to hell. We don't believe that. We don't believe that the problems of this world are just too much To do anything about. That's not what Christians believe. We don't believe that people's struggles are hopeless. You see someone struggling as a Christian, you don't believe they're hopeless. That's that's antithetical to Christianity. No, what Christians believe is that God has come to the world in Jesus Christ. That we what we believe is that through Jesus Christ, God is reconciling all things to himself. That's what you believe as Christians. What what we believe as Christians is that there is great hope for the world. There is great hope for for, for a Manonk. And therefore, Jesus sees the world, sees Manonk as a plentiful, abundant, Harvest field. Oh, what if we grabbed hold of that? God, help us grab hold of that. I probably don't need to explain this too much here in central Illinois, but for Jesus to say the harvest is abundant or plentiful, Jesus is saying the crops are ripe and it was a really, really, really good year. It was a good year. There's reason to celebrate. That's what Jesus is saying here. It was a good year, and there's reason to celebrate. The crops, the abundant crops, are ready to be gathered in. But there is a problem that Jesus points out in this passage. There is a problem. It's not all, you know, it's not all awesome. There's there's an issue Jesus wants to address. See, harvest season is a lot of work. Amen? It's hard, it's hard to bring in all of that when it's a good year. It's, it's good news. It's a good problem to have, right? It's a lot of work. Jesus says the harvest field of the world is so great. We, 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 we need more. We need more laborers. We need more workers to, to bring in this harvest. That's the problem. See, oftentimes Christians think or talk about how the problem's with the world, right? The problem's with them, right? You ever hear Christians talk like that? Like, man, it's just, they're just not interested. They're just not interested. You ever think that? I mean, I've shared the gospel with lots of people who don't seem to care, so I get that. There, there, there's a time in my life where I didn't care. I became a Christian when I was 22, so there was a lot of years where I did not care. I was apathetic to Jesus, all right? So I, I understand the impression that the problems with people like, I, like me, like, like I was. But Jesus in this text says, the need or the lack is not with the harvest, It's with the number of laborers. There's a need for more workers. There's a need for more gospel laborers, not a greater harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. I came face to face with this need for more laborers back in 2021. February 21, I met a at a small town church planting We're, so you, you might know Pastor Eric and Redeemer are part of uh, the Central Illinois Church Planting Network all right uh, we meet at Cross Point Church uh, every 6 weeks or so and 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 we started getting together in 2016 to pray to the Lord of the Harvest to send laborers out into the into the field we we need more gospel centered churches in small towns in in in, in Central Illinois and so we We began to pray in 2016, and since 2016, since we started getting together, there's a church planted in Shenoa, there's a church planted in Flanagan, there's a church planted in Minunc, now there's going to be a church planted in Metamora. The Lord of the Harvest is answering our prayers, right? But every so often at these meetings, we have one of these these times where it's like, does anyone, who's got a a place? Is there a place where the Lord has laid on your heart for, for a church plant? And man, everybody had a place. All the pastors in this room had a place. You know, this town, this town. I'm in Bloomington normal and I haven't heard of some of these towns. I'm like, where's that town? And they're like, it's like twenty minutes from you. And, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh. And and I began to get this, I'd been I'd been a part of this group since 2016. Now it's 2021. And I get this fresh vision, this fresh burden. And I'm, I'm asking the guys, all these places need, need churches? And they're like, yeah, John, that's kind of what we've been doing here. <laughs> that's what we've been praying for. And, but it was hitting me brand new. And, uh, and then the, the next question is, is, okay, does anyone have a guy? Does anyone have a planter? And this is what it sounded like. You know what that is? That's the harvest is plentiful. The the laborers are few. And man, that broke me. That that broke me. I thought all these, and I I saw, I was like, there's gospel opportunity here. We need need to to send people out. Gave me a fresh burden for the need of a church in small towns. In Metamora, just to give you a, Give you an idea, there are three thousand eight hundred and seventy-five people in Metamora, and there's four Protestant churches. That, that, that's, that's across the board. Just just there's one Catholic church and four Protestant churches for almost four thousand people. That's not many. That's not many Protestant churches for four thousand people. That's that. I mean, they would all need to be mega churches, like mega mega churches. Right? To serve 4,000 people, four churches. And they're not, by the way. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not mega churches. Metamora wouldn't know what to do if the Lord just poured out his spirit on Metamora. There's not enough laborers. We're not even set up. What if the, what if the Lord did what we wanted him to do? We'd be in trouble. <laughs> It'd be good trouble but we'd be in trouble. We'd say, we need more laborers. So when people think of church planting, they they often overlook small towns. They often overlook small towns for all kinds of reasons. And this only heightens the the urgency for small-town church plants. Small-town churches are probably going to be needed to be planted by other nearby small-town churches, just like Redeemer was. What churches came together to plant Redeemer? Community Bible Fellowship in El Paso, Crosspoint Church in Eureka, Christ Community in Gridley, right? Small town churches planting small town churches. That's the vision. But church planting isn't the only way to labor and to make a difference for the kingdom of God. There's an urgent need for parents to disciple their kids. There's an urgent need for Christians to get to know their neighbors and build relationships with them and pray for them and share the hope of Jesus with them. There's an urgent need for Christians to invest in the lives of their coworkers and praying for them. There's an urgent need for Christians to labor for the sake of Jesus in all the different spheres of their lives. in In a book called Small Town Mission, pastor and author Aaron Morrow writes, small towns are in desperate need of missionaries. When I say missionaries, I'm not referring to the pastor of your church or people who suffer for Jesus by building huts, and preaching to native islanders. No, I'm referring to regular people. Small towns desperately need normal, everyday people like farmers, factory workers, teachers, secretaries, and small business owners who think and act like missionaries to reach their friends, neighbors, coworkers, and extended families for Christ. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, and nobody knows the harvest better than Jesus. You can look around and be like, no, I don't think it is. That's not been my experience. Okay, okay. Fair enough. But you are disagreeing with Jesus. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, if that's the position you want to take, it's your prerogative. But Jesus begs to differ. Jesus says it's plentiful. Oh, God, help us believe. Help us believe Jesus. There's abundant gospel opportunity for those who labor for the sake of Jesus. And because there's such great opportunity, Jesus says, pray for laborers to take advantage. Once so so once Beth and I felt led to plant in a small town, then it's like which one? Which small town should I mean, these these pastors were throwing out all kinds of small towns, you know, that, that need churches. And so it's like which one? So I so once we once we felt led to do that, my wife and I like, all right, which one? And, and so I began to call people, think of, okay, who do I know where? Do I know anyone already in a small town that, that could partner with me? And uh, I had a buddy in Metamora. I was like, oh, Andrew's lived in Metamora, you know, and I've known him for over a decade. So I called him up and said, Andrew, Andrew can we uh, grab lunch? I, I want to I talk to you. So we get lunch, and I start telling him about what Beth and I have been praying about and, and, and feeling led to do. And Andrew's Andrew's doing one of these. He's like, John, my wife and I have been praying for three years for a church planter to come to Metamora. What had he been doing? Luke 10. God, send labor. Andrew sensed, man, there is is a harvest here. Andrew's got a bunch of non-Christian friends, friends not connected to churches. He's like, there is gospel opportunity here. Lord, send a church planter. And three years later, I'm like Andrew, tell me about Metamora. We're thinking about planting a church. He couldn't believe it. Metamora is close to many other churches if you drive outside of the school district, but but the relational web in a, in a small town, as you guys know, is is often fostered by the school district, right? Who who your kids go to school with, act, you know, school activities. Christians will drive to Peoria, Christians will drive to Eureka, Christians will drive to Morton in Washington, but non-Christians, people who aren't connected to to churches, are less likely to drive outside of town. And that's what my my friend Andrew knew. See, non-Christians aren't commanded to go out of town to us. We're commanded to to, to go to them. But just because the harvest field is plentiful, that doesn't mean it isn't dangerous. Just because it's plentiful doesn't mean it's easy and without risk. It it doesn't mean that there isn't a cost. Jesus says in verse 3, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of what? Wolves. Thanks a lot, Jesus. (laughs) Right? I'm, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. The harvest field is plentiful, but it's dangerous. There's wolves seeking to devour the laboring lambs. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Brothers and sisters, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, we're not called to complain about it, we're called to wrestle. We're called to wrestle with it. With what? The full armor of God. See, there's spiritual forces of darkness at work seeking to what? Deceive and discourage those who are sent out by Jesus into the harvest field. That's all Satan wants to do is discourage you and deceive you to make you uh, unproductive, keep you out of the field, the, 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 keep you out of laboring. See, Satan and the cosmic powers of darkness deceive us into believing wrong things about God, deceive us into believing wrong things about ourselves, wrong things about the world, which in turn discourages us from laboring for the gospel. Two main ways they deceive and discourage us is through fear of man, fear of people, and fear of failure. Fear of man is when we imagine people as being bigger and more powerful than what they are, and we imagine God is smaller and less powerful than what he is. That's where fear of man comes in. And so we start fearing man more than we fear God. We we start fearing standing before men more than we fear standing before the Lord. Isn't that crazy? We say and do things for the sake of making people accept us and respect us and esteem us rather than doing things that please the Lord. Way too often I care more about people respecting me and accepting me and esteeming me Than I do about whether or not they know Jesus. Fear of man discourages us from laboring in God's harvest field. One of the other main ways we're deceived and discouraged is through the fear of failure. We fear if we attempt something for the sake of Jesus, we'll blow it. We'll blow it. I don't know how to do that. I'll I'll, I'll just fail. I'll, I'll mess it up. We'll do it wrong. We'll look foolish. God forbid we look foolish. the fear of man, the fear of failure and rejection, these are powerful things. These are these are power they don't sound like much, but they keep you ineffective. They keep me ineffective. I got to fight it all the time and if I don't, I'm ineffective because they're powerful. They, they they're things that Satan and the powers of darkness play to in order to deceive and discourage us to make us think that the risk of failure or rejection or looking foolish isn't worth the reward of Jesus and people being saved. Whenever we set out to labor for the gospel, all right, so Pastor Eric, um, what's, Bree, yep, just, just made this announcement. You know, hey, we're, we're, we're going to do this backpack thing. People are going to come in, and and we've we've set this up for our church to minister to these people, not just physically, but also relationally, and by God's grace, even even have a gospel conversation. Okay, all right, here's an opportunity. You know what's going to happen? Satan is there waiting to deceive and discourage you. Somebody might already have, have two or three reasons why they can't make it that night. And I would just encourage you to say, is that of the spirit of God? And it might be. It, it, I'm not saying it's not. But we should ask the question, is that of the spirit of God? Is that because King Jesus has something else for me that night? Or is it because Satan is making me believe something that's not true? about me, about God, and about others to keep me ineffective. Jesus is sending us out. He has sent us out as lambs among wolves. You're lambs. Satan's a wolf. He's seeking to devour you. How in the world? Jesus, how could you send us out that way? Why why are you sending us out as lambs in, in, in the midst of wolves? Well, Jesus sends us out into his harvest field filled with dangerous wolves with two things to protect us, spiritual authority and indestructible joy. First, spiritual authority. Verse 17, the 72 disciples that he'd sent out as lambs in the midst of wolves came back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. You can imagine how these 72 went out as lambs in the midst of wolves, not, how, not sure how this is going to turn out. Jesus, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. But they trusted Jesus, did what Jesus told them to do, And they did it. They witnessed the kingdom of God pushing back darkness through their words and their works. Jesus had given them authority to and and, and protection from Satan. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has sent us out with the same kind of authority and protection for the mission that He sent us on. In Matthew twenty-eight, the Great Commission. Many of us are probably familiar with it. Jesus came and he said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus has all authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I, the one who has all authority, am with you even to the end of the age. You have spiritual authority because Jesus is with you and Jesus has all authority. When we come face to face with the wolves, with the fear of man, with the fear of failure, we need to remember that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, the Apostle Paul says, Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. And again, there's an assumption here that we're waging war, Right? There's a spiritual battle going on. We're waging war, but not according to the flesh. For the weapons of Redeemer's warfare are not of the flesh, but Redeemer's weapons have divine power to destroy strongholds. Redeemer destroys arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And Redeemer Church in Minook takes every thought captive to make it obey King Jesus. That's spiritual authority. That's that's what you have. We battle the lies of Satan with the truth of Christ. I'll offer one really practical way to battle the lies of Satan with gospel truth. Write out what's discouraging you. Write out, okay, what's keeping you from being in that backpack drive? Just write it down. Look at it. Don't don't just let it roam around in your head, but write it down. You know, what's discouraging you? What what lies are you believing about God or about about others, about yourself? You know, just write it down and and, and get it out of your head. Get it out of your heart. Put it down on a piece of paper. Look at it. I'll guarantee it's going to look less intimidating once it's outside of your head and heart look at it, and then you consider, man, what does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say about who I am? What does Jesus say about who he is? What does Jesus say about the mission he's called me on? And you replace this, this, this deceptive lie of Satan with the truth of Jesus, right? That's, that's, how, we, that's how we battle. That's, that's one practical way to do battle with the the lies and deception of of the the big bad wolf Satan who's seeking to devour you. But along with spiritual authority, Jesus has given us indestructible joy to embolden us to make a gospel difference. We, We see the disciples come back after witnessing the kingdom of God breaking in through their ministry, and they have to be overwhelmed with excitement, right? I mean, can you imagine the mountaintop experience that these seventy-two disciples had? Said so we saw Satan. You know, even, even the demons believed or, or uh, were subject to us in your name. I mean, all the stories they must have been sharing, and yet Jesus says that's nothing compared to an even greater joy. Jesus says to the disciples, "You're right. I, it was it was awesome. I saw Satan fall." Like lightning from the sky. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't find your ultimate joy in what you are doing for God, or even what God is doing through you. Rather, find your ultimate joy in what God has done for you. Find your ultimate joy in what God has done for you. Your works, your ministry, your success, it's just not enough to sustain your joy. Your joy and your hope will come and go when you're looking to your works and your actions. Some days, it's going to be really high, (laughs) But just as often as your joy and hope are really high, it's going to be really low. You know, you'll feel depressed and anxious and condemned as often as you feel joyful and hopeful when you look to your works. But when you look to Christ's work, that's a different story. When you look to what Jesus has done for you, that's a different story. Christ's work of living a perfectly righteous life, dying a... Sacrificial death, being raised up in power from the grave, all because Jesus loved you and saved you and forgave you and adopted you. That's a joy and a hope that's not going anywhere. That doesn't ebb and flow based on whether things work out for you that day. You are forever in the family of God. You are forever forgiven. You are forever forgiven. You are forever righteous in Christ. You are forever loved by God. God's love for you, God's delight in you, God's pleasure in you doesn't doesn't go up or down. It's always up. As much as he delights in Jesus, he delights in Redeemer Church. He delights in you. That's pretty cool. And in the end, you will inherit a kingdom that will never be shaken. Where you, all right, you will rule and reign with King Jesus for all of eternity. Think about this. I've been thinking about this with with Partridge Point. You know, we've got a vision statement. Our vision statement as Partridge Point is to demonstrate the grace, beauty, and presence of Jesus in the Metamora and Germantown Hills community. I know we will never fulfill that vision (laughs) in this life. I, I mean, perfectly, right? We'll never perfectly fulfill that vision. Any church vision, mission statement will always be left unfulfilled until it is fulfilled one day in glory. One day, Redeemer Community Church's vision statement is going to be perfectly fulfilled. Everything you've been working for is going to be perfectly fulfilled. It's going to happen. Why? Because of your work? No, Christ has guaranteed it. Christ has guaranteed it. Your work isn't in vain. Your labor isn't in vain. So brothers and sisters, let's not believe the lie that God does not intend for us to make a difference in people's lives. God intends for you to make a difference in people's lives. Let's believe there's a harvest field in Minunk and in Metamora and in Central Illinois. Let's pray that the Lord would open our eyes to see those opportunities to make a gospel impact in people's lives. And let's pray to the Lord to send more people to make a a gospel impact. And lastly, I want to ask you, do you know the indestructible joy of Jesus? Do you know it? Jesus isn't just for other people. Jesus isn't just for other people. This morning, you need to know that Jesus is for you. You need to know that Jesus, that, that God loved you and sent Jesus to save you from your sins so that you could have a relationship with God and live forever in God's kingdom and his presence. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this um, vision that Jesus gives the disciples, this, this clarity. Lord, Satan wants us to just think it's hopeless. The people are hopeless. The world is hopeless. That's just not in the Bible. In the Bible, we read that you will reconcile all things to yourself in Christ. God, in, in, in the Bible, we read Jesus describe himself as the good shepherd and, and, and tell, tell the apostle Paul in Acts, I have other sheep that are not of this present fold. Or in, in John chapter 10, I have other sheep that aren't of this present fold. They, they must come also. Lord, there's sheep in Manunk that the good shepherd has yet to to call and bring, bring to himself. And God, your intention is that through Redeemer Church, Lord, sheep who are not of this present fold would come, would hear the voice of the shepherd. God, I pray specifically for this backpack outreach. Lord, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. God, I pray you would bless. I pray you would would just blow blow the socks off of of, of Redeemer Church here. Lord, I pray you'd send laborers. Lord, I pray for the the sake of your name. I pray for the the name of Jesus to be renowned in Manunk. Lord, I pray that Manunk would would brag and boast about Jesus more than anything else. God, we ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.